I, James, founded and work for HPI, but do not represent them or any of their opinions. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 324 of the Furlough Bros Tech Podcast. Every week, we definitively answer one question about the future of tech. To do that, we take into account many factors, including the companies involved, the people working for them, their marketing, and of course, the technology they're developing. I'm Matthew Dean Furlow, and singing his heart out at the Grammys is my brother, James Furlow. You know, I, I couldn't understand why YouTube had suddenly surfaced a bunch of the Grammy intro speeches to me, which I've been watching and fully enjoying and loving. Um, but then I read, I was like, oh, okay, that's why. Yeah. YouTube knows more about culture than I do. Awesome. Yeah. The, the Emmys is an interesting one because they're like... They're definitely like the worst as far as how do you pick the best album of year when one is a hip hop album and one is a bluegrass album? I mean, like awarding for oh, art. Wait, so wait, it's Emmys that's happening? No, 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 Grammys. What did I say? Grammys. I yeah. don't know. I think I said Emmys, or I was thinking that in my head. But it's just so wait, which one's happening? It's the Grammys, Grammys that's happening. The, that's the, the music, music one. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I've been huh? YouTube doesn't know what's going on. Maybe. Maybe he's just lying to you. Whatever, man. But the music, the performances, it's the best. It's the best award show for just overall performances and stuff. Mm. Hands down. But, James, it's not why we're here at all. It's not why we're here. Um, do you want to? I mean, if this was movies, maybe that is why we're here. But, uh, no, instead, what we're going to be talking about this week, or what we will be exploring, better yet, are what I like to call unintended consequences so there's a couple pieces of well there's one specific piece of news that kind of really caught my eye for like an oops moment and i thought it i thought it was worth kind of exploring this idea of you do one thing thinking something's going to happen and turns out something else related happens they call those externalities for those of you in economics Oh, I know, I know. Um, but anyways, and then what we're going to do is we're going to look at three pieces of news that came out and kind of pontificate. I'm using big words this week. I know, man. On um, what, <laughs> what could happen. Yeah, so so this is super interesting, super interesting. Uh, have you ever heard of Strava? Um, I'm going to pretend like I haven't been seen it blown up all over the news in the last eight hours and say, oh, what's Strava? So before that, so Strava is, it's a fitness tracking app. So uh, think of it like Fitbit or your Apple watch or whatever other thing that you might use, I guess. I think Nokia bought a company that has one now. Anywho's the difference between Strava and the others is that it will actually publish your routes and your activities online, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and so, um, so like I got some friends who ride, they mountain bike ride in the Corvallis area, and they all do their stuff on Strava. And what's fun is there are predetermined routes that they've that you can quote ride, and whoever does it like, the, and then they create leaderboards. So whoever does it the fastest, oh. whoever does it the most number of times that month, that kind of stuff. Um, which apparently, at least in our area, there's one guy who is like speed demon mountain bike rider, and he's got like all of them. Oh, geez. And they say it's kind of like, and what will happen is a new router will open up and it's like everyone will race to do it. 
before he does it. Because <laughs> once he does it, they're like, yeah, he owns the record. Um, but so it's, it's a social network for working out, and it's kind of fun. And I tried it, and ultimately I was like, man, not for me. But it would be, um, be really interesting, too, if you'd be able to see, like, you'd be able to get kind of a, an outlay of the popular paths of, like, an entire city, you know, which would be would be neat. Yes, Other yes. Of information you uh, Strava thought that as well. And so they created a heat map that showed routes. And, you know, the brighter they are, the brighter they get, and things like that. <coughs> and they decided to do it across the entire globe. That's cool. That is cool. They so, have yeah, more than three... Yeah, sorry. They have more than three trillion individual GPS data points on this worldwide heat map that they created. Pretty cool, right? There's a lot of data points. I mean, I, that would be like, like an unparalleled map of, there'd be all sorts of information that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else on anywhere else, really. That's, Even if you, like governments would, would have a hard time compiling that sort of useful information. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. It's true. And so uh, very cool to look at. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, but as we are talking about this week, it is unintended consequences. So, um, so like you talked about, you can see popular running routes in major cities and you can spot individuals in more remote areas that have um, unusual exercise patterns, things like that. And then here comes the however in the article. It says, over the weekend, military analysts noticed that the map is also detailed enough that it potentially gives away extremely sensitive information about a subset of Strava users, military personnel on active service. And one of the analysts for the Institute of uh, United Conflict Analysis, um, he was one of the first ones who noticed it. He says, the heat map, it looks pretty, but it's not amazing for operational security. Uh, <laughs> US spaces are clearly identifiable and mappable. You know, specifically, they're like, yeah, you can tell where the bases are in places like Afghanistan, Syria, Russia, you know, and other, other countries you may not be thrilled about everybody on the internet now knowing about where it's located. Mm -hmm. Oh, Area 51, by the way, they um, have a very clear map of that. I mean, we're talking about things that if you look these things up on Google Maps, there's nothing there. Yeah, they black them out. But clearly, <laughs> clearly um, it's not on this map. So... I obviously I think there's a couple parties at fault here. Obviously, uh, active military personnel probably should not be using this app. Um, you know, just gonna put that one out there. Um, and they probably won't be. Uh, one of the one of the final comments was one of the guys saying, "Yeah, there's gonna be a bunch of meetings on Monday, um, kind of educating and informing." And yeah. <laughs> There's probably a bunch of meetings all weekend long. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then obviously Strava um, didn't totally think that one through or didn't fully look at it. And well, and I mean, you know, which I, I, I think the, the topic of unintended consequences, consequences is appropriate for this because it's like, yeah, man, that is like the king of, you almost can't get mad at them. Like there's a lot of data. You wouldn't necessarily think about it. I can understand why, like, you know, Google Google Maps blacks out those satellite images because when you send a a, a, a you know camera satellite up into 
the stratosphere, like everybody pays attention and that's regulated by governments so that that exact sort of thing doesn't happen. That's how Google's allowed to have satellites that take pictures is their yeah. use government. They're, well, and honestly, it's not their satellites, right? It's Yeah, that also helps. <laughs> uh, they're, yeah. they're becoming their satellites, but... <laughs> Um, but with yeah, Stratus, like it's it's different because you're just like that's it, it, it. There's nobody regulating that. There's nobody paying attention. You wouldn't necessarily. You could try to think about like where that data would be, but I I, I could totally see getting to the point where getting really excited about this heat map, building it internally because it was interesting. Oh man, totally. And never even think about what you were actually looking at. And. Um, well, they were, they highlighted on their blog posts, like a bunch of big cities and, you know, like they weren't looking for secret military bases. Yeah. You know, they were looking at other stuff. I, yeah, I totally get it. I, I totally understand. And, and they actually released this sucker in November. So it's been out there for a little bit now and it's only now coming out. So even right. then it's taken a few months, a couple months for, um, you know, for people to go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> so even then it wasn't super obvious right away. So yeah. um, so just an interesting uh, oops moment. Um, that's one that can't be taken back. Um, we'll see what happens with that one, whether military bases suddenly move or, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 right? I mean, depending on the military base, like you can't keep it there now. I mean, Well, the real maybe? concern is that it's like company or countries with, with big enough budgets to have spy satellites already know the answer to all these. Yeah, problems. I guess that's true. It's, it's the, it's the fact that it's available to literally anybody. So it's yeah, any terrorist your, camp out there now. Has exactly. It. So there, you, there's a lot of damage my mitigation you can do just by removing the data set. True. People haven't figured it out yet. It's a lot of data. So, you know, it's not necessarily easily accessible, but yeah, it's not great news. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, there's another thing that that happened this weekend, um, uh, it, uh, which I think this event happening isn't unintended. But what he did was unintended. Um, I don't. I can't even pronounce his name. In Gavarv um, Kamprod, he's Swedish. I recognize that name. He is the founder of a company called IKEA. Oh yeah, that's why. <laughs> he um did you know he started ikea when he was 17 and he passed away this weekend at age 91 holy cow yeah so ikea's actually been around kind of a while um what, what's what's interesting is um i'm just gonna read this that he he realized that furniture this was like his big innovation could be flat packed <laughs> to massively reduce the cost of shipping and transportation which at the time were among the product's largest cost drivers. Totally makes sense. Legs are unwieldy, so why not just take them off? <laughs> and here's the bad part. They go, except now every consumer buying furniture would have to assemble it. And in the case of complicated furniture items like ar armoires, they can easily, there can easily be 50 or more steps involved in the construction of the piece with an instruction guide that even to this day can be a little bit confusing <laughs> unless you're skilled at the art of Legos, then it's a piece of cake. Um, even go, then, Lego does a better job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's at least colored, right? I know. Um, not just shaded. Uh, but, but here's the interesting, the unintended consequence, if you will. It says, yet consumers love it so much that researchers have actually studied the effect 
of consumers investing their own labor into a product, and they've called it the IKEA effect. What they've found is that consumers love products far more when they complete the assembly themselves because the labor we invest makes it seem as though the product is ours. You know, irrational? Yes. But that predictable love ensured that consumers repeatedly flocked to IKEA stores. <laughs> it's hilarious the idea that the thing that on a, on a rational high level is the thing that you complain and hate about IKEA is actually the thing that probably drove more success than almost anything else. Like, yes. It's crazy, especially if you think about the fact that it's a dude that his big innovation was <laughs> flat packing, not manufacturing in China. <laughs> So it's like eventually yeah. prices were going to come along, but the real, the reason why Ikea wins is because, I don't know. It's, it's, it's and by the way, I don't know if you've ever paid to have Ikea ship something to your house. Uh, it is not free. They do not offer free shipping. It's like a minimum of $75. Whoa. It's, they do not want to ship you anything. It's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. And they, they purposely put their stores out in the, out in the middle of nowhere so they can have a big place because they're like, cause you're going to drive your car anyways. We don't have to be downtown because you're going to pack it full of stuff. And yeah. And a whole bunch of other some stuff that they did that was not exactly customer friendly, but that was the big one where they were like, yeah, we're going to flat pack stuff. And it turns out, and he got totally lucky. That's an unintended awesome consequence that if you have to do the final assembly yourself, you claim it is, you just, you take ownership of it. It's like, oh yeah, I made this. It's kind of like the same idea of like saying, oh yeah, Ford truck was made in the U.S. No, the final assembly was done in the U.S. But they say it was made in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that same idea of like, oh, I could say my, my kitchen table was made in my house. I made it in the same way that Ford made a truck. Kind of awesome. And they're like, and that's true. And like, that's a, that's a real feeling that people have. Um, but just kind of a... Kind of a crazy idea. So there's these things that happen that have unintended consequences. Obviously, one kind of bad, um, and this one kind of awesome and and good. Um, I'm pretty certain that he's handed off the reins of the company, and so they're probably just keep on ticking forward, is my guess. At 91, I'd be shocked if he was still running it. And so what we're going to do next is we're going to talk about three recent changes, and and we're going to pontificate again on those unintended consequences. But cool. Before we do that, Matthew. Who's this episode brought to us by? This episode is brought to us by Carbon, the element. Carbon. Um, uh, let me think. Is that number 11 or 12 or? 12, man. 16? Come on. 12, yes. It's critical to organic life. You got you to gotta get that one locked down, man. comes in all sorts of different configurations, crystalline structures. That black chari stuff, it's the same as graphite. It's the same as diamonds. All the same. Oh, wow. One element. Just throwing that out there. So okay, okay. So if you want to support the show, you can go out and buy some carbon. Any carbon. Buy some carbon. Yeah. Gotcha. That's how cool. it works, man. It's just chemically identical. So so I could get somebody um, a pencil, and that would be the same as getting them. I don't know, like a ring, like a diamond. Pretty much, I'd be like, dude, it's all carbon. It's literally. I mean, it's pretty the exact much. Same. Yeah. Okay. Chemically. Okay. No difference. And some might argue that graphite <laughs> actually. Has way more usefulness i mean ooh, that's true i mean you can you could cut things with diamonds like i had a diamond tipped saw blade when i was cutting tile so that was useful i'm not saying it's not useful i'm just arguing that graphite but you could write stuff down in space with a pencil so it's true you know 
that's oh, yeah 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 okay carbon just throwing it out there <laughs> very cool very cool anyways so um this next thing is not carbon <laughs> it's it's music actually uh cool. so this last week um i don't know if you know this but there's um there's a board out there that determines the rate that um, streaming music providers have to pay to musicians, artists, labels, that kind of stuff. Um, apparently, it is not individually negotiated. It is, it's like a, a US, at least in the US, it's a set number that everybody pays. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. So this isn't official yet, apparently, or it's not made public. It's probably the right way to say it. But the National Music Publishers Association um, set of this ruling that they're going to be required, requiring streaming companies to pay 15.1% of their revenue to songwriters and music publishers instead of what used to be 10.5%. So it's, you know, it's almost a 5% increase, almost 50% increase. That sounds more bigger um can i say that more bigger and so um you can say that you shouldn't say that but you can <laughs> yeah yeah so um so it sounds like here um expenses for streaming is going to kind of go up which has been taking the world by storm really you know it's 40 million songs in your pocket right which is kind of a crazy idea i believe you are an apple music subscriber do you subscribe to spotify you probably did at some point in your life I don't know yeah, if you not anymore do. okay I, okay i did i i sometimes i contemplate switching back over and and seeing it out but apple's apple's got me for now so i think one of the unintended so the intended consequence <laughs> is to pay songwriters and music publishers more money yeah you know, right for for their work that they do, which is fine. Companies like Apple, they probably don't care too much because it was a loss leader to begin with, and uh, it's not a loss leader, but it's break even. Um, that's not why they're doing it. Uh, Spotify, obviously, that that's probably an issue for them, <laughs> given yeah. that is their revenue source, and that's probably their biggest expense, and it just got fifty percent bigger. So there's um, there was an interesting article out this week that was talking about. He goes, you know, I feel like I should just state the obvious just so it's out there and stated. But essentially he says things like this and other reasons, he goes, it's going to cause like Spotify and Apple and Amazon and Google to become their own record labels. They're going to pull a Netflix where you first get started and yeah, sure. You're aggregating content from others. You're paying them for that content. Life's all good. He goes, and then eventually it starts to make sense because you have a big enough following and you've got enough data to figure out what everybody likes where you go you know we can kind of make our own here we can cut out the middleman we can actually pay musicians more money than what they're currently earning we can keep more money and everyone's going to be happy and now he was saying right now there's kind of an understanding that whatever service you send out for you kind of get the whole catalog right i mean you kind of feel like for the most part you sign up for Spotify or Apple or Amazon or Google, you kind of are going to get all the same songs available to you. Because 
But could there ever come a point in time where it's like, yeah, I pay for Netflix and I pay for HBO and I pay for Hulu and whatever Disney comes out with. And I know I could just see you just going, oh, that sounds horrible. Um, we know with that understanding, which is like, it probably won't have, that sounds more difficult because music's a little bit it's more what Jay-Z, It's what Jay-Z tried to do with Tidal. I mean. It's right. But, you know, imagine it done well. Um, well, that's my, well, my, I was about to make that. I wasn't about to make the argument that because Tidal failed, that fails. My argument is actually that despite Tidal failing, I think that that's the direction we're going to go. I think, mm. I think that Tidal had other issues that prevented that from working. But I, I see no reason for, and, and it, like you said, it won't necessarily even be Apple that makes that jump. It's probably going to be Spotify. You know, if you could sign a huge artist or, or set up a system where you can just kind of let every artist come in and say, oh yeah, we'll give you, we'll give you directly X and you'll get this much more than the labels do. And well, I think about, we had a, we had Rod Miner on the show. Gosh, this was a couple of years ago now where he did a, a successful Kickstarter campaign for to create music and, and we kind of went deep into how that all worked out and stuff. And, but he had to sign up with, it was some other third party who was quote his label because that person, that company had the agreement with iTunes and Spotify and everything else. So he could get his music on there. And yeah, so as he was, an independent music musician, he needed to go through another organization. In yeah. Order to get and on. this one turned out to just be like a pass through and I'm sure they get some, small pittance of a you know percentage because they're smart and and he was like man if i could have gone straight like i would have you know and so that's where you can create this kind of this groundswell of yeah you know we don't have the big guys but man we're starting to put together this long tail catalog and you know and there's there's nothing that says that apple and and the reason why that happens is because apple doesn't want to negotiate with independent musicians apple wants to to only art negotiate with big record labels and everything. There's nothing that says that Apple and Spotify couldn't start hosting their own artists, do their own thing, and then negotiate directly with each other and say, we're not going to go with the 15%. We're going to go with something lower and we're both, but we're going to make our music accessible to both. Like there's, there's really nothing that prevents that. Um, yeah. Well, and you could do something kind of like an app store thing where you're like, yeah, we got a certain, we got a, a standard contract. If you're going to get paid this percentage, you'll get to do this or that. And maybe it even is, non-binding or whatever non-exclusive you know or maybe they give you a choice dude for exclusive you get this percentage for non-exclusive you get that percentage like and they could automate the whole thing and just make it super crazy easy um just like the app store or maybe it's not like like the app store too right there's they even vet you they got people whose job it is to listen to music make sure it's you know they they label it and essentially do the pandora project for them oh brilliant brilliant you pay him a fee like to it. get in. Um, yeah, so there's a potential unintended consequence of raising the rate, which I think could potentially be a good consequence, but we'll see. Another piece of information that came out this month, this week, was that Elon Musk, oh man, I love sensational articles. It's awesome because they're like, Elon Musk wants to pay himself $55 billion for running Tesla. Like, I, that's, no, that's not it. I mean, that seems like enough, um, but... It's, it's that if Tesla, do, if he meets every single one of, he, he essentially, he has set up a, um, a performance package. And if Tesla performs at a pretty good rate, 
yes, he would earn as much as $55 billion. Which nice. Would mean that, by the way, that would have to mean that Tesla is worth up to $650 billion in a market cap. Seems plus reasonable. Hitting, yeah, yeah. I think there's only like two companies so far in the history of the world that have actually reached that number. Yeah, and uh, Apple and Amazon, I believe. And um, not Google. Shocking. I thought they were going to be the third one, but they're just, they're just there. Anyways, um, I'd actually have to check that. I don't know if they're there yet, but I know they're, those are the two that are racing towards a trillion. And so anyways, um, he's like, yeah, it, it would have to be huge. If they reach that plus the profit goals along the way, Yes, he would earn $55 billion. And I think anybody and everybody would agree that that's actually pretty reasonable. Google's at 820, by the way. Just so oh, are they? Yeah. Dang. What's, uh, what's Apple at? Uh, probably, probably up near Trill. 880. Oh, wow. That's close, man. Eight, that, and, that only... and, and what is amazing at? Uh, almost, they're only at 675. Oh, geez. So Tesla would have to be like, well, what do I know? I just, Bezos must just own a ridiculous percentage of his company. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Anyways. um, So, so they're talking about, so uh, the Harvard business review had an interesting article where they were kind of breaking down his thing. They were like, yeah. So essentially he has to hit a market his market value has to exceed $100 billion by 2028. Otherwise, he receives nothing. And then he has other targets at 150, 200, and so on up to 650. And then it's only if he achieves all those milestones like we talked about, 55 billion. So it's interesting though. They actually, they say this in the article. Just like performance vesting equity in general, it may lead to unintended consequences. Whoa. What? It's amazing. <laughs> They go, in particular, having discrete targets may encourage, wait for it, manipulation to achieve the targets, which they say has happened before. So here's an example. They go, the shareholder and societal value that Tesla creates really isn't very different between 201 billion and 199 billion. It's like, it's pretty much the same. But Musk's pay is significantly different. at 201 than 199. So as 2028 starts to roll around, if their market value is just below one of those thresholds, you go, he'll have some pretty incredible incentives to make the numbers work. And go, mostly what'll happen is they cut investments or they engage in some sort of earnings management to just kind of get above it. And they go, which yeah, works for them to hit their target, but usually isn't great in the long term. If you cut a few billion, billion B from from investments, you know that that can have lasting impacts. I know, like HP has played that game before because we lose money on our printers and we make it on ink. If we're having trouble hitting profit targets, the easiest thing to do is to stop selling printers. Oh, boom! Oh. Hit your Hit your profit margin targets. I know, That's right? Such a bad idea. What? <laughs> it's, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're a printer company. Yeah. Fully aware of that. Fully aware of that. <laughs> oh my gosh. We, um, That's amazing. I, I'm on the I'm on the actual the supply side, the cartridge side of the house. And so we're always like, yeah, but 
every every time you do that, you you then neuter our future profit. Like, help help me out with this. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they go, yeah, but we got to hit it this quarter. Like, yeah, but what about the next three and a half years? Which, by the way, is the average life of a printer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there's a there's a possibility here that um, that Elon. But we're talking 2028, and you know, let's hope that he doesn't do that. Now they did say one of his safeguards that he puts in place is that he gets awarded these these shares, but then he still can't dispose of them or sell them for another five years, which should hopefully help him do it. Um, they do say, by the way, like the most straightforward thing to do is to say you get a guaranteed number of shares over a certain amount of time, and it's just tied to the stock price. And so you still have an incentive to get a high stock price. They go, but it you're not going to do any crazy manipulation things because you want to keep your stock price high just for as long as you can because you're going to sell it over time. Like, And it actually makes it super easy to manage and track because it's just how much time has passed? Okay, that's how many shares you have. And I'm like playing all these games and making it complicated because then they're like, how do you decide what an appropriate structure is? And like, And you spend an inordinate amount of time trying to figure that out instead of which, you know, that's a kind of a valuable exercise, right? To say like, well, what's, what's a really important performance metric? Like if we hit this, is that good? So, you know, it's kind of that. And then, uh, the last one, which, so CNBC wrote this article and it was two people get the byline for this article. And I, I should, we should put article in quotes here because it's like, I think eight sentences. And I actually think the title is actually clearer than the eight sentences. There's two people who got credit for this story. I, which I, I feel like is like one and a half people too much for what was actually put in there. Um, so the article's dumb. We're still going to link to it. But um, for, just for the, for the, for the title, because that's all that they really needed. And it's almost like they knew that. And so, um, anyways, so Snapchat, they're going to open up their, the walled garden a little bit here. You will now mm. be able to share not all stories, but certain stories on Facebook and Twitter. Kind of admitting that, yeah, people want to, people exist outside of our app. And, and the idea being the intended consequence is that you or I will see a story and we'll click on it and then we'll go, oh, wow, this is a really cool app. I, wanna, I want more. And so you'll yeah, go download uh, such Snapchat. a good idea. That reminds me so much of like YouTube, which pretty much has a lock on that very service. I can't, this company, man, they're, they're un- <laughs> the un- <laughs> consequence of this company is disaster. But it's still ephemeral. It's only like for like 30 days or something like that and then you can't read it anymore, which why would you ever embed it anywhere if you're, I guess, I guess Facebook and Twitter, it's not around forever, I guess, but. I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't think they actually know what they're doing. Oh so yeah. I, if, I think I, I think, I think they everything are, they do has an unintended consequence. You say, I think the, 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 uh, was it, what's that thing when the jet wash has begun? Like, oh man, mayday, I mayday, think, Mav, we're in a flat I, spin. 
Exactly. I think I think it's I think it started. I think I think that Evan Spiegel doesn't know what he's doing. That's completely like he's 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 out of really good ideas, which you know is probably <laughs> couple of years ago but he and like and there's nobody there's nothing anybody can do that to to help uh get them out of the flat spin <laughs> yeah yeah so so there you go um some exploring some unattended consequences of different decisions made by different companies kind of interesting some of them like we said we'll we got to wait until 2028 to see how it all uh works out but kind of interesting to see how there are these uh, these ripple effects. So uh, our question for you, the the listener, um, I guess simple. Do you use Strava? I you know I kind of want to know. And are you on their little uh, their little map thing? So if you're a Strava user, you let us know, yes or no. You don't have to say why. You don't have to be like because I value my privacy or I don't work out. But um, but yeah just kind of interested if you guys are are on it or not we're not going to go for some deep meaningful like have you ever done something that had an unintended consequence that's way too deep for our podcast but I, you could share that too i'm interested i guess i suppose i'm interested in that but um i'm not willing to deal with the consequences of asking that question so there you go but i just want to know do you <laughs> use strava and so with that we want to say thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. You can check out the links to all these different stories on furloughbros.com slash 324. That's 324. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And we want to say thank you to Alex Hearn of The Guardian, Danny Crichton of TechCrunch, Jane Wolf of Reuters, and Alex Edmonds of Harvard Business Review. And I'm not giving the other two credit because what did they really do? <laughs> and... Um, we also want to say that this episode is sponsored by listeners just like you. Thank you, sponsors. And it's also sponsored by Carbon, which is um, what life is kind of made up of. And uh, leaves are a great source of carbon if you're composting. Um, graphite is a great source of carbon if you have something to write. Uh, diamonds are a great source of carbon if you have someone you want to let you know. Let know that you love them and um yeah kind of fun so with that i am james furlow and my lyrically blessed brother is matthew furlow and so we will talk next time <laughs>